1: Hey, it's C-Sparky, 5 for 12.50 a.m. The fan, along with our guy, Buck's super fan, Nathan Marzian, joining us from a dimly dark-lit room in the depths of beyond. He is Nathan Marzian. He's even wearing black, folks, on the video. A lot of you are listening, just the podcast can't see the video, but it is quite the sight to see. All he needs is a spotlight, and uh, we are set to go. All right, Nathan Marzion, maybe you're wearing black because you feel like you've gone to a funeral. Bucks now have lost four straight games, including... Those dreaded folks to the south, uh, Chicago, the Bulls beat them 119 to 113, despite Giannis playing fairly well a majority of the game until overtime. Then those you know, jumper kind of failed them a little bit there at the end. Uh, the question to start off with, obviously, the Bucks have now lost four straight. Who or what do you think is to blame uh, for the Bucks' recent skid? And, and by the way, one keynote, they did lose five in a row during their championship season, during the regular season for those of you freaking out about this currently. Okay, Nathan, go ahead.
0: I think, I mean, the blame goes around. It's not on one specific thing. It's not on one specific guy. I think a lot of it is just shooting. I mean, they're now shooting 29.9%, I believe it is, in their last four games and those losses. Just getting a lot of good looks. When you look at the shot quality um, ratings and, and the looks they're getting, they are actually expected to make a lot of these shots last night, they were expected to score 128 points in regulation, according to shot quality. And they only scored 106. And I mean, they, they should have won that game easily. When you look at the the shots they took and who was taking them and just the, the looks they got, especially from three, they were nine of 44 from three last night. And yeah, I mean that last night they, they 100% should have won that game regardless of how they played overall like that. 11 point lead two eighteen left. You're supposed to win that game. They just gave it away. Dumb plays at the end. You know, Giannis with the turnover on the inbounds pass and then in overtime, just weren't able to get it done. It It's frustrating. It sucks, but they, they should have closed out that game. They 98, 99 times out of a hundred win that game. And, you know, if they do, we're probably talking about something different right now. And we're saying, oh, okay, you know, they're back on track and whatever. If, they simply, you know, if Giannis simply executes that inbounds pass. But they they choked and it's been a a bad, bad stretch here. But I mean and, and again we know that the role player stuff like you can I want to now get a Jay Crowder. I want to, you know, swap some of those guys, try to make a trade, um, get Grayson Allen out of here because he's definitely like last night struggled a lot. He was three for 14. And so that that I'm not saying that, you know, don't be worried at all. Don't be um you know, don't be wanting to change anything. Like the, there can be things that need to be changed, but you don't need to panic. You don't need to act like, oh my gosh, we need to get rid of, we need to fire coach, bud. We need to trade Chris. We need to completely overhaul this thing. Like, again, we talked about this on Tuesday. Like it, it's okay. It's December. They are 22 and 12. And it's a tough stretch that every single team goes through at some point in the year.
1: They were 14 and 19 were the Chicago Bulls prior to that victory. So now 15 and 19, four games under 500. I'm sure the Bulls would gladly take that loss if they were 10 games over after that loss, uh, like the Milwaukee Bucks are at this point. Having said that, again, Giannis, 45 points, 22 rebounds, 7 assists, 17 of 39 from the field, and yet, and yet, people blame Giannis at the end of that game uh, for kind of screwing that whole thing up because people like to focus on one play or two plays at the end of a game and say, well, he's the reason they lost, when in reality, they aren't even in that basketball game without Giannis, because remember, there was no Middleton. There was no Drew Holiday uh, playing in that basketball game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the United Center, they were all kinds of fired up. You would have thought they won a championship or something, uh, as excited as they were to beat the Bucks. And this goes back to what we've talked about nonstop. These other teams get more up for you than the, than the Bucks get up for them. That's just kind of part of the deal. Then the Grayson Allen incident happens with DeMar Rhodes, and we'll get into that. That's our second topic. But that happens. Now you just rile them up even more. Now they really want to beat you uh, at that point. uh, And now they're really into it. And you have to be able to rise to that level of intensity in order to do that. My criticism of that game was there was too much Giannis one-on-one basketball. Like, there wasn't passing. They just, at at points, he didn't even pass the ball. He just got the ball and decided, I'm going downhill. Here I come. Uh, And he was super aggressive or taking his his turnaround jumper or mid-range jumper, which wasn't falling. Uh, and that's where I have the issue. Like, I'm not against being aggressive. I'm not against him going to get his. I'm fine with that. What I am against is playing one-on-one basketball and forgetting about the other four guys on the on the court. This team plays best when there's a ton of ball movement and guys are getting the best shot that they can get. This team's half-court offense struggles when it's four guys hands on hips watching Giannis try and do everything by himself. That that would be one of my critiques or complaints about what I saw in that game against the Bulls. He decided he was doing it by himself, and they didn't have anybody around him probably good enough, because there was no Middleton or Drew Holiday, like I said, so he was going to do it himself, and I think it hurt him, Nathan.
0: Now, here's the thing. So, and you kind of touched on it there at the end, but when so, you know, if you're Giannis, and there's no Drew, no Chris, the rest of the team is literally 9 of 40 from three, 9 of 42. I mean, is it, it at that point is the best option just to say give it to thirty four and you know go no, try to get the a best bucket? option
1: should be a, a half out of court offense with guys cutting to the rim and doing other things other than standing out with their hands on hips by the three point line going no. here give it to me I'll take another one even though I haven't hit one all night because that's what it was they were all standing out there waiting I mean there wasn't but, a lot of cutting there wasn't a lot of any of that going on with anybody it was watching Giannis. And then if he kicks, they miss another three. He gets frustrated. He goes back down to the other end, but there was nobody else being aggressive besides him. Grayson Allen was trying, I guess.
0: But that's, that's part of the problem. And not necessarily problem with the team overall when they're healthy, but they are not at all built to lose Chris or lose, you know, Andrew, but mainly Chris. Cause he's the main shot creator because most of, if not, you know, all these role players are spot up shooter type of guys. They're not attack type of guys. They're not, you know, even cutting and, and all that type of stuff. They're more just, they're, they're meant to be spot up shooters. And that's kind of, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because they have Giannis, Chris drew to be more of the initiators, to be the, the guys that have the ball in their hands, but they're just, when you take one or two of those guys away, it's going to result in pretty bad offense because again, a lot of the, like everyone pretty much except Giannis on the court is not meant to dribble the ball much. And
1: let me ask you a question. Yeah. How many times did you see Burke Lopez get the ball down the low block in the last in you know, overtime or in the last quarter? They could have done that more. I'm not. I'm just saying it's. It, but that's what it, I'm saying. I mean, and, and again, I'm not on the fire bud bandwagon. I, I'm not on that bandwagon. God knows that bandwagon is growing. I, I, you watch social media and Twitter. A lot of people yelling to fire bud again. Here we go all over again. I just interviewed Eric game from the Athletic. You can listen to that on the Odyssey app or on 12:50 a.m. The Fan. We talked about. This was a couple days ago, actually. Uh, and we talked about Mark Lazzari, uh, in, you know, looking to sell part, uh, possibly part of his team. That report coming from Bill Simmons, now Mark Stein, uh, today, Thursday, uh, coming out with some more of that stuff. Uh, but we got into that. But we also got into fans being frustrated and angry with his basketball team and so forth. And he's feeling it, too, with people tweeting at him being mad about, you know, where this team is at and so forth, even though they had the second-best record at, at that point. This is This is the thing. I I don't know Bud's thinking as far as regular season goes when he has the roster that he had last year, right? This roster knows what Bud wants. They've all played together for a full year. Now they're coming back. And in the summertime, people were critical of the Bucs for only getting Joe Ingles and not changing any other part of the roster. Like you lost in the playoffs, and yet you're going to try and do the exact same thing all over again. And those that defended it said, well, you have Middleton coming back. That will make it better and everything will work. The problem is Middleton hasn't been right yet. And because of that, you've also been able to see that this offense continues to struggle without Middleton being out there. Ingles is still trying to find his way a little bit in another three last night, which was nice. Uh, But now Drew Holiday's in and out of the lineup uh, as well, which makes things even more difficult. So now it's either, okay. Either you're going to play to try win in the regular season, and these games mean something to you as a coach, which means you're going to make adjustments of how we're going to play when those two aren't in the game, or it's going to be, I'm not as concerned if we win or lose this game. We're just going to run our offense like we normally do. We're going to put guys in position of where Middleton and Drew would be, ask them to do kind of similar things to a certain degree, and whatever happens, happens until those guys get healthy. I think those are the two situations. Because at the end of the day, in this league today, in the NBA, I don't believe there are many people that can stop Brook Lopez when he's near the rim. I don't. You drop the ball and he gets positioned, there's not many people that are going to stop him. Just like we talk about the Kings from time to time, there's not many people that are stopping DeMontis Sabonis right now when he decides he wants a score inside. Uh, or the Joker in Denver. There's not a lot of talented bigs, and Brook Lopez is one of them. I'm not saying I don't want him to shoot threes, but in that situation last night where nobody can hit an outside shot, That was a perfect opportunity to go, Brooke, we're going old school, buddy. Here we go. We're going to give it to you on the block and let's see what happens. And that runs some cutters off of that. They run the double on them and do some different things. And instead they said, nope, we're just going to do what we've been doing and and ram our head against the wall over and over and over. And they lost the basketball game because they were all waiting for Giannis to bail them out like they always do. Nathan.
0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block,
1: Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: I can I can understand wanting to like give it to Brookmore because, yeah, that is something they could have done, but... It, Again, I mean, when you, when you talk about you know adjusting to not having Chris or Drew, again, I just this team isn't like like the role players on this team have specific skill sets. They're not, and you can say it's a flaw, or you can say you know, I in my opinion, it's not a flaw because they weren't brought here to play various roles. They were brought right. to play specific roles. So I don't nope. think it's a flaw. But if you do take away Chris and Drew, I think they're limited and it hurts them more than it might another team if you took away their second best player who if they have role players that can all of a sudden oh this guy you know can start attacking more and he can do more off the dribble he's a little bit more versatile like these guys just aren't versatile they're not meant to there's not many adjustments you can make when especially when both Chris and Drew are out I feel like it just it's gonna be pretty bad offense at that point because you don't have really any attackers other than Giannis that can do anything like that consistently but I do agree they could have got to Brooke Moore in the post because, um, yeah, that's something that, you know, has worked in the past and at least something that you can kind of rely well, on. Oh, so. yeah, you got Bobby Portis. He's another guy that can play down in the post. Giannis is a guy that can
1: play down in the post. I mean, you could have rolled out some, 1990, some 1990s basketball and said to hell with it. We're going to play old school basketball here to try and get us some buckets versus waiting for Giannis to bail us out. And because, as you pointed out, they weren't hitting threes like – we harp on Grayson Allen because he took so many of them and missed so many. But in general, as a team, you weren't hitting the outside shot. So is the result just keep shooting and hope they pray and hope they fall? Or is it, okay, they're not falling tonight, so how else are we going to score the basketball at this point? And that's why I go back to Buzz mentality. Like, what is it? Is it it's just another game? It is what it is. When everybody's healthy, we're going to be fine. I'm not going to stress over a regular season game in December. And if that is his philosophy, I'm fine with it. Cool. But if it is trying to win and trying to figure out different ways to attack and score when you don't have two of your better players, because there's no guarantee Middleton will be healthy in the playoffs. There's no guarantee Holiday will be healthy in the playoffs. So if one or both are out, is this going to be the end result? This is what we're going to do. We're just going to jack up a bunch of threes and hope they fall four times in a series. And that's how we're going to advance. Because I watched that last year with Middleton being out and they struggled. They couldn't figure out how to score the basketball enough. They have to have a Plan B at some point, Marzian. As far as what they're going to do if these guys aren't there to play, we know what Plan A is. They ran that all last year when everybody was healthy. We know Plan A, but here's your opportunity to develop a Plan B of what we're going to look like if we don't have one or both of those guys.
0: I, I, I don't think you. Unless I mean, they know more than us about the Chris injury, but for sure, if if there's a if the, if they're not concerned about it being a, a thing that you know goes into the playoffs. I don't think you go in with necessarily a, a plan B. I think you go into it and say, you know what, you know, kind of like last year, if Chris or Drew is out for a whole series against, you know, a Boston or maybe a Brooklyn or Philly or like one of those good teams, but particularly like a Boston, we probably will not win the series. And that's, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, and I think you go into it and say, hey, we're going to go in with this game plan of, you know, what we usually do is is shoot a lot of threes. If we happen to get hot, Okay, we can we can get this thing interesting, or if Giannis just goes berserk, kind of like he did last year. Okay, we're gonna. He went make... berserk
1: last night with forty five and twenty two, and they lost the damn Bulls.
0: Well, but he was. I mean, he he had a he had a good game, but when you have no Chris or Drew, correct? It's you're you're just. I mean, like to me, there's no way of having any plan when you have no Chris or Drew or both of beating like a Boston Celtics. Like to me at that point, you say we're probably losing the series. Like, and that's, that's how it probably should be. If you lose one of your top three and their top 30 players in the NBA, if you lose one of those guys, if not both, you're probably not going to beat arguably the best team in the league. And you have to go into it and just say, okay, we're going to, you know, hope Giannis can either save us or we can hit a bunch of threes and keep this thing interesting. But I don't think you go into it with a plan B, unless you really get a sense that, Hey, this is going to be a problem for Chris all year we need something else to survive this season, you know, or potentially move on from him or whatever. But if they think Chris will be back by the playoffs, you have to just go forward at, you know, thinking about, okay, like that, like we, we have to just trust that they're going to be healthy. And if they're not, it's as if, you know, I mean, any team can get injured at any point and all of a sudden not be that good. Like that's, I I don't think teams, I don't think you build your team. And I kind of said this since last off season where people wanted to, you know, get, shot creators and stuff like that because of how he looked in the Boston series. I'm like, you don't build your team based like thinking, okay, if Chris goes down, if drew goes down, if we don't have like, no, you, you, you expect to be healthy. You expect to have main, you know, your main guys there. Um, And if they're not there, you're, you're probably not winning. Like that's kind of just how it is. You're not going to be able to be building a good enough team that you can lose a top 30 player two top 30 players and still be, Beating the best team in the league or winning a championship—I just—it's—it's it's not realistic to think that. So to me, you go in with one plan of we're healthy, or if you don't think they're going to be healthy and you know that ahead of time, then you adjust to that.
1: So if this slide continues, if Middleton and Holiday don't play and they end up losing like ten in a row, you're going to be okay because you gonna be like, "Well, what do you want Bud to do? I mean, it is what it is. Both those guys are out; they can't hit threes. This is what it's going to be. You're you're going to be okay. You're not going to have a meltdown on me on this podcast,
0: right? You're I agreed to girl, You don't be
1: like, "Hey, there shouldn't be a plan B." Like, it's cool, they can't hit any threes, it's okay, they've lost 10 in a row, we'll be fine.
0: Number one, I don't think they're losing 10 in a row. Number two, if they did, I'd be they frustrated. They don't have Middleton and Holiday, there's every opportunity to lose 10 in a row. I'd be, no, they'd get some wins in there. They should, they, again, we are one inbounds pass away from them winning last night, so or maybe one play going right in the last two minutes away from them winning last night. And we're not talking about this, but, and this um, next stretch is easy, by the way, you got Minnesota, you got Washington a couple of times. I mean,
1: this upcoming schedule should not lend to 10 in a row. Like they should be able to get a couple of wins coming up here, even without Middleton and holiday. But if we're back here Tuesday and they haven't won a game still,
0: I think it'll be frustrating, but you are not going to be well by Tuesday. That's what I think. I'm going to be playing. I was very upset last night. Like I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I, I see these losses and I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Like I was upset. Like I was super just Ugh, like it puts me in a bad mood. But there's a difference between being frustrated slash upset in the moment and thinking like we need to change. We they, we need to, you know, there's a big problem here. That's like, a, you know, we I, there's a difference between frustration and overacting or frustration and thinking we're doomed. I'm frustrated when we lose. I hate losing it. Even the regular season losses make me more upset than they should Maybe I, I honestly probably was more upset about this, thinking about this loss more than most, most people out there, but I'm still probably the one that's like, argued not the most, but I'm up there in terms of like, okay, let's calm down. It's okay. Cause I'm, I'm frustrated, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say like, if they lost 10 in a row without drew and Chris, but they still said, you know, they're going to be fine by the playoffs and they think they're going to be fine by the playoffs. It'll be frustrating as heck that you're like, we just lost 10 games in a row, but I'm not going to be like, Oh my God. Like we have to just overhaul this. The it, nice thing it, is,
1: is that this is all recorded. We can always go back and let's,
0: they lost 10 in a row without those guys. I would yeah. not be sitting here saying overhaul it. I'd say this sucks, you know, trade grace Allen, make a, make a small change, get, get a, get a, make a few tweaks here, but. Why would I overreact and act like we're doomed because we're losing games without two top thirty players on our team? My my point in all
1: of this is just simply that we're we're gonna agree to disagree on this. I, I just think you have to make adjustments and figure out how to win basketball games if you're not gonna be if you're not gonna have Middleton again, then what is plan B gonna be this time? If Middleton's not healthy for the playoffs, you play without Middleton last year in the playoffs and you lost. So are we gonna go in with the exact same plan as we went into last year and say we're just gonna do the same thing again and hope we shoot better? Is that going to be the response? Because if that's going to be the response, they're probably going to lose that series again. But is there going to be adjustments? Again, I give Bud a ton of credit. That year they went and on that run of the championship, every game one and game two of a series pretty much, he had no idea what was going on and couldn't figure it out. But by game three, game four, he made his adjustments and the Bucks would go on to win the series. It always took him a game or two to figure out what the other team was doing. But when he did and they made their adjustments, the Bucs would take off and win the series. That's how it was pretty much every series. They'd always lose the first game. So maybe that's the, kind of the thought process. I'm just saying if I was bud right now and Eric name, when I talked to him earlier in the week, like I said, said that the belief around the organization is Middleton will be fine and health wise, he'll be okay and he'll be ready to go here. So it doesn't seem to be like any concern that Milton isn't going to be right here at some point. But I like personally in all situations, a plan B, right? If, if this person quits tomorrow, uh, from the job, you know, I, I'm a, if I'm a manager, who gets promoted? Who's the next person in line? Do I have to go outside? You know that type of deal. Just like if you're an athletic director and you're looking for a head coach, what's that next plan? If Aaron Rodgers, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but if Aaron Rodgers, let's say they get into the, uh, the they you know go through training camp next year, whatever the case may be, they're in week two and he breaks his leg, and now he's out. Now Jordan Love has to be the quarterback. That offense is not going to be the same. For Aaron Rodgers, as it is for Jordan Love, that there's going to be a version of it that's similar, but they're going to have different things that Jordan Love likes to do more so than what he does. Just like if Brooke Lopez goes down for the Bucks with some type of injury, long term, A, it's going to kill him defensively, but B, also what they ask of that position will change a little bit as well. They play differently, I think, with Bobby Portis as a starting center when Brooke Lopez was out than they do when they play with Brooke Lopez. I, I There's differences that you make and, and different adjustments that you make when those guys are out. What they did last night was again, the definition of insanity you just continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over again uh, without making those adjustments. And like I said earlier, and I sound like a broken record. I just think that maybe buds mentality is it's a regular season. I'm not going to overreact and worry about this. Like you said, Marzian, I think they'll both be fine and we just got to get through this stretch until they're both ready to go. And then we'll be back to looking like the Milwaukee bucks again. And we'll see sure. if that happens let's move okay, on before we be, move on yep. so
0: i like your comparison or you know when you talk about rogers potentially getting hurt yeah. and stuff. because to me it's the same way for for 10 years it was like people you know occasionally would be like well what would happen you know let's say that you know because Packers were consistently competing they were a, a championship type team and it's like if rogers or adams had gotten hurt you're not like Nobody, like, you You just accept loss at that point. You accept we're probably no. going No, you don't. Yes, you do. The first time Rodgers broke for his title, years. they
1: didn't win a game for like a month and a half, and people were losing their minds. And you know what came out of that? Everybody realized Ted Thompson wasn't the genius that everybody thought Ted Thompson was, and Ted Thompson came under fire. And what happened was Aaron Rodgers was covering up what that roster really looked like because nobody else could come in here and do a damn diddly thing with what he had on offense outside of the Hall of Famer that's what happened everybody opened up their eyes to, oh, this roster isn't as good as we all thought it was 12 covered it up and then the second time he went down similar type stuff i i I totally disagree you you will see really what what the extent of that roster is as a fan you can't in my opinion at least as a fan you can't look at it and go okay you're stuck like i don't expect you to score points i expect this offense to be trash now and go on. I mean, you have a backup for a reason. Not that the backup is going to be at a hall of fame level. No, I don't think he's at a hall of fame level, but you would at least expect to be able to somewhat compete with an average quarterback. There was a graphic. Hold on. Let me get it. Um, on Twitter. It's not an NBA graphic. It's a NFL graphic, right? And this fits in perfectly. Uh, and it came from the 33rd team. I don't know if you knew what that website is, but there's Ben Fennel, uh, Michael Lombardi, I think might be a part of it. There's a ton of NFL guys, current players, former players, all part of this website. It's a very good website. They tweeted this out. Teams that will have played uh, will play three or more quarterbacks this year. San Francisco, the Cardinals, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Patriots, the Panthers, the Rams, the Texans, and the Titans. Folks, that is 10 NFL teams that have gone through three quarterbacks or more this year. That is not good for the National Football League by any stretch of the imagination, without question. But again, when your starter goes down and that backup comes in, are you going to run the same game
0: plan as you did with a starter? But, but no, the, you just named off ten or however many teams you ten. just named off. Only one of those teams that I heard, Niner, the Niners, actually, I think, have a decent shot to win a potential Super Bowl because no team builds their team based on we need to have a we need to be able to be okay if one of our stars goes down. No, no, no. no. But you
1: don't. No run, my point is, you don't run the same offense with the backup quarterback as you do with the starting quarterback. You're not running the same offense with Tom Brady as you do with his backup. You're not running the same offense with Jordan Love as you do with Aaron Rodgers because the strengths and weaknesses for both are going to be different. Jordan Love's not probably going to be able to do some of the stuff that Aaron Rodgers does. So you're going to have to play to his strengths and change. That's my point. You're Either going way to you're change losing. the offense to fit whoever the leader of your offense is going to be at that point. Maybe you run the football more. Maybe you do different. Maybe you bootleg more. Maybe this guy runs better than the other quarterback. So now there's more RPOs involved. You make adjustments. The coach just doesn't go, oh, we're screwed. Do do the same thing as Aaron. Otherwise, we're going home. It's all done. That doesn't happen. And that's kind of your situation with Butt right now. Well, these guys are out. So it is what it is. Hopefully, they hit a lot of threes. Otherwise, we're done.
0: Well, this is a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison because the quarterback going out would be the equivalent of like Giannis going out for us because he's the guy that depending on how good the quarterback is, yeah, correct, yeah. But again, it no matter how much you adjust to your backup, you're you're not going to win the Super Bowl. Like you're not winning. They're not. They're not winning that. Like it's not. It's not happening. Okay, that's a that's a very very extreme. Very very. Uh, what's the word outlier of a? I think Doug Williams game.
1: won the Super Bowl in Washington. I don't but, think he was the starter that year. I think I can go through and find a, a,
0: a several se- tell of me Super Bowl winners that I won with the backup. I like like NBA, it's just like I don't know. You're not you're not losing Chris or Drew and expecting to still win the title. It's not happening.
1: No, not win the title. I'm not saying <laughs> anything about winning. <laughs> what the are title? we talking about here? I'm
0: simply saying adjust the offense
1: with the personnel that you have when they're on the floor. That's all I'm saying. Just make an attempt to make an adjustment. And to me. They didn't make any adjustment. They just played the same way they would play if they were both out there. But having them both out there, like you said with Middleton, he's the creator that can that can get to the rim and do something on his own. They don't have that guy. Holiday can shoot the three a little bit. He also has the ability to get to the rim and run the offense. You don't have that guy. So what's the adjustment? The adjustment could have been, like I said, playing inside to Brooke, playing inside to Bobby, playing inside to Giannis, maybe a little bit more around the rim on the block and running different things off of them down in the low block. But again, they they decided not to,
0: which is okay. Again, you, again. last last point. The only way I actually sorry, the, the only way I, I just want to reiterate, the only yeah. way I'll actually like want to, you know, change our team, um because of worry about, you know, injury and stuff is if they know, you know, if they really think okay, Chris won't be here for the playoffs, there's a decent chance of that. At that point, yes, I you have to structurally change something. To try to win, if you find out before the trade deadline, you can change stuff, get a, you know, at that point, get a Jordan Clarkson. I don't like Jordan Clarkson, but Ugh. you need, you need some type of offense at yeah. that point, someone, because, and again, I don't want to, unless we find out we have to And at that point, fine, go get someone like that and adjust your game plan. Cause you have a couple months, but I'm saying if you, if you're, you know, I'm kind of, I'm doing this under the caveat of you're expecting to have those guys. And all of a sudden one unexpectedly goes down. You're not going to be able to adjust on the fly. And be like, okay, you know, we're able to to win this without Chris or Drew. Like it, it's just so that's not going to happen. Whereas if you have months to prepare, then yes, you know, try to try to change stuff while you can. But sorry. All right. Oh, that's good. We
1: did uh, twenty seven minutes on that first topic. I don't think we'll get to all three topics. And here I thought topic two was going to be the fiery topic. Does Grayson Allen deserve the criticism that he's getting after the Demar Derozan play? Very interesting, right? So I see Stacey King, and Dario Melendez going back and forth on Twitter at each other because Dario was the one that tweeted it out and kind of went at the fact that DeMar Rosen has more texts this year than Grayson Allen does. That is completely means nothing. I could have a technical for swearing at a referee. That doesn't mean I'm a cheap shot artist necessarily. So that that whole thing, like you said earlier, apples and oranges, I don't even care. The, the, the amount of text that both of them have doesn't matter. So that was going on on Twitter. Then I turned on my radio and heard uh, Tony Smith and see the Homer true on ESPN Milwaukee talking and Tony Smith done out on Grayson Allen. Just like, why are you leaning with your elbows for? Like, why would you do that? And he made a point and I thought it was a valid one that as a player, when you end up getting shoved on the floor, however that happens and you turn around and his point was, if that's Chris Middleton DeRozan doesn't act the same way. Gets up. He's like, Oh, that wasn't on purpose. Gets up. But when you turn around and you see it's Grayson Allen, who has a history of doing crap through college and in the NBA, both not just in college, but college and NBA, both. Then your mind goes to that dude did that on purpose. And now you want to fight and up you pop. And here we go. And that to me is fight, kind of, well, in quotes, well, okay. Yeah. Well, the NBA had really done half fights other than which call got popped in the back, back of the head of yeah. the magic. That was ridiculous. Got knocked out. Um, But to, to me, that's why the criticism is warranted here. I mean, as a Bucks fan, yeah, I'm going to stick up for my guy. And it was an accident or whatever. Fine. But he made his bed. He's made his bed leading up to this based on everything that's happened earlier in his career. And it's kind of like Dennis Rodman when, when he was playing. Not that he's to that extent, but Dennis Rodman, referees were looking to blow the whistle on that dude to get him out of the game by the time he was all said and done. They were waiting for him to do something. And with Grayson Allen now, Guys around the NBA are on alert, like waiting for this guy to do something. Because I don't, I don't really know how much, how well liked he really is around the league at this point. As far as guys that have to play against him. Now we all know. Look, I, I didn't, I didn't want Grayson Allen when they got him, when the Bucks got him, because being a Badger fan too, I've been through it. Watched him in college, didn't want to do it on my basketball team. Wanted him far away from my basketball team. Didn't like him. Didn't want Vadova on my basketball team. That's another one I didn't like didn't want Steven Jackson. I can go through a list of guys, the bucks got that I didn't want when they signed them and never really liked those guys. But in this case with Grayson Allen, you have the Caruso thing that was against the same damn team last year. And now this happens with the So of course they're going to be on edge. Of course their announced team on TV is going to lose their mind. Cause they watch this dude do again, not this wasn't nearly as malicious in my mind as what the Caruso thing was, but either way, that's why they got hot and got mad. So to me, is it deserve criticism? Yeah, you made your bed. Now, maybe it was an accident. I don't know if he did on purpose or not, but either way, he created this drama that kind of goes around him going forward. He just does. And the guys on that team know, and they know they got to go running into action every time Knucklehead does something.
0: To answer the question, no, Grayson 100% does not deserve criticism. But I also 100% don't blame DeRozan for you know because he didn't see what happened. He gets pushed, sees it's grace down. Okay, you're gonna assume that. But great, the grace and stuff gets so blown out of proportion. Just watch the play. It's obvious that you know to anyone that's not probably a Bulls fan, it's obvious that he got pushed. Nothing egregious happened. He didn't make any dirty play. I don't care about his history at that point. If it's not a dirty play, it's not a dirty play. I understand DeRozan's perspective because he didn't see what happened at first. So, yes, it, to him, it probably was like this is probably a cheap shot. But once you see the replay, there's no reason for this thing to be like making the rounds on Twitter of look at what Grace Allen did. He didn't do anything dirty. And the dirty player thing for him stopped in college. It legitimately did. He has not made any dirty plays in the NBA. Oh, the
1: carousel thing, I don't the know, The carousel thing
0: was not a dirty play. It was uh, no, a, flagrant, he, one no, it was a that, flagrant one hard foul. It was a flagrant one hard foul. I've said this since the no, beginning. No, That's it. Like, it, it was a hard foul. It deserved a flagrant. Because it was a hard foul, dude. He came there, through. He followed through with that one hand. If he there was he doesn't nothing, follow
1: through with the one hand. to
0: kind of follow through on it. Okay, maybe, but that that got, was ridiculous. It gets so blown out of proportion, and I just I hate if it. That happened, if that would have
1: happened, if Grayson Allen, hold on, Grayson Allen would have been on the Bucks or on the Bulls, and that would have happened to Giannis, and Giannis would have went. Down no, no, no this is, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. This if this Giannis is. goes down and gets hurt, and that's Grayson doing that to him, everybody, maybe not you, so I shouldn't say everybody. 98% of the state of Wisconsin would want Grayson Allen's head. If he would have done the same thing to Giannis as he did to Caruso guaranteed, people would have been losing their minds because of what happened in college, right? Because of what happened in college, Badger fans don't forget. And then their favorite player gets hurt because of the same dude
0: on again, looking like a play that won so good people would have lost their minds. If he did the exact same thing to Giannis, Giannis would have fallen down completely normally, wouldn't have hit the ground like Caruso did because Giannis is big. The reason it became blown out of proportion is the way Caruso fell because he's a smaller player. Yeah. Which I was just about to say, Giannis takes much dirtier hits slash plays, whatever, and is involved in much dirtier plays. But they won't get called flagrant twos because Giannis is big and it doesn't look as bad. This was not that bad of a play, but it looked worse than it was because of how it resulted and the way Crusoe falls down and you know completely just hits the ground super hard. That doesn't happen with Giannis because Giannis is big. He's able, you know, you're not sure. able to just pull him down to the ground. So I I can't use that comparison because but see it this wouldn't is the problem I have. Giannis. This is the problem I have.
1: And you, and you're you're right, because Grayson Allen's not that big of a dude. But I just remember Bogut going up for a dunk and getting shoved and Bogut's seven footer, off he comes, down he goes, career never the same again after that. And that type of stuff could very well have been a Grayson Allen or somebody else where he goes up, gets pushed when he's on the rim, down he goes, and it's over. Uh, Stoudemire, I don't I don't believe anything happened to Stoudemire for, for that whole thing. Nothing at all. And he went on and played the rest of his career, was never viewed as a dirty player or anything of the sort. As Bucks fans, we never forget necessarily because he pretty much ended Bogut's career at that point. He was never the same player after that. And Bogut was having like one of the best years of his career up to that point, uh, up until he destroyed himself. Uh, on that play. So all I'm saying is from my perspective, um, I just don't want this to be a situation where you get into the playoffs or something like that. And knucklehead here does something. And then it kind of throws the whole series off or throws the whole game off because something like that is enough to motivate and energize a team that may be down two games to nothing in a series or whatever the case may be. And it galvanizes everybody. And away we go. Like, That is my concern. Now he may not be here. They may trade him at the deadline. This may not matter at the end of the day. But as far as the question, does Grayson Allen deserve the criticism after the DeRozan play? Again, you and I are going to disagree on this. I think history says, yeah, probably he kind of, kind of
0: did this to himself. No, and I'm going back to the Crusoe play from was it last year that the Crusoe play happened? Last year, and then he came Um, back
1: in the playoffs and was unconscious, and then disappeared after that.
0: Yeah, but again, the difference between like that Stoudemire play on. Um Bogan oh, yeah. and the Grayson play Grayson went for the ball. Like that's the other thing. I, I'm not like, I'm not sitting here just like, Oh, he gave him a cheap shot, but it's okay. Like, I don't think it was a cheap shot. He went for the ball. He made a clear play on the ball. And sure. There might've been a little bit after that, that you could argue. And that's why I think, yes, it's a flagrant foul because yes, he did. You know, he held it a little bit too long, whatever. Uh-huh. That's not like a, that, that to me is nothing close to a, play that should be like remembered for years and
1: like okay so do you have a play that you remember as being a dirty foul from any Um, nba game that you're like oh that was now that there if he would have done that in an nba game for the bucks then i'd agree that he deserves the criticism
0: i mean this is super old but like uh when i think it was uh was it kevin McHale got laid out like clothes lined in a game or when Lambeer completely comes down right on top of we're going back very, to the eighties or 90s. Yeah, I've seen videos I'm saying
1: like in the last five to 10 years, do you have
0: anything? Um, no, let me, you think. hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I put him on the spot. I, I should have gave him a heads up on this. I didn't know we were going here, but there's stuff Patrick way. Beverly's done. Patrick Beverly shoved guys when they're, you know, in midair, like whatever, like that's a Beverly fan. Giannis, Giannis gets shoved in midair so many times, but again, he's big. So he's not going to move that much from it and it's going to look like nothing. But to me, that's a dirtier play than Grayson going for the ball. And yes, Crusoe falls super hard. It was never that big of a deal, guys. So in your mind,
1: Grayson Allen being deemed a quote, dirty player is unfair to Grayson and not deserved.
0: I think it's, I'm not saying it's not deserved from college. If you still want to hold on to what he did in college, because he had a problem in college, he admitted it. And yes, he was dirty in college and he went to Duke. So I get everyone's going to hate him for that and keep that with him. But if you think Grayson's still a dirty player now, I completely disagree.
1: He is Nathan Marzion, Steve Sparky, Fiverr. That'll do it for another exciting edition of Green and Growing. Got some passion going to that one. That was a fun one. I, that was a lot of fun. Follow Nathan Marzion on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. And follow me at Sparky Radio 1250 AM. The fan record every Tuesday and Thursday. They get posted Wednesday and Friday mornings when you wake up, boop, go right to your feed. Uh, download it, and uh, listen to the entire podcast. Again, tell friends and family, everybody who doesn't know about this podcast, you need to get the word out that uh, Sparky and Nathan Marzion are doing these Bucks podcasts uh, multiple times a week. Nathan Marzion, thank you so much. Have a happy New Year, and we'll do this again on Tuesday. Hopefully the Bucks will have a win by then.
0: I'm going to actually, uh, I, I don't, did I tell you I'm going to try to go out for New Year's, actually? What? I'm That's trying. totally
1: unlike you, according to you. Bruce.
0: First time ever I will be attempting to. I'm not sure if it'll actually go through or what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna try. With a girl? No, absolutely not. You could have said maybe. You could have just left it there. I you mean, hey, to, I I wish, but no, it's I, I wish, but I'm just saying there's it's not yeah. even close at this point.
1: No, not even close. Damn. Nathan Mars, on Sparky Piper. Have a go and happy new year.